like to welcome each and every one of you to Together as One online. We really appreciate the opportunity to bring God's Word into your home, your hearts, your lives. And we thank you so very much for joining us today. I want to take an opportunity to express how much we love you, that we are praying for you, the totality of our staff. We are praying for you. We're praying for miracles in your life. We're praying for supernatural provision. We're praying for peace over every member of your family. And I would like to take just a moment and share just something with you that's going to help you through this time that we are in. I want to talk to you about the priority of placing God and His kingdom first. And the greatest way that I know to do that is to spend time in His presence, to pray, to read His Word, to be Jesus' hands and feet to those around me. And one of the greatest declarations of faith that we can do right now in this season is to make sure that we are as generous as we possibly can. And dear ones, if what you have seems like it's not enough, according to Scripture, it simply means that that is not your harvest, that's your seed. And as you plant and place your seed in His hand, you will see God bring a tremendous harvest in your life, even in times of famine. So I want to ask you right now, would you be as generous as you possibly can to sow your financial seed into the fertile soil of Christian Faith Center? More people are being touched and reached right now than a month ago. It's miraculous what God is doing. So I'm going to ask you to join us and financially support this, our wonderful church. Would you bow your hearts as we pray? Father, would you bless this time and this offering that we give in your precious name. And we anticipate a tremendous harvest in our lives as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. understand that today is a little bit different than it was a month ago. We're spending more time with our families, enjoying one another, <laughs> our marriages. But while we're together like we are, I just thought I would give you some hope. Because being under one roof for many, many hours, <laughs> um, it's easy to get on one another's nerves. So I want to give you some hope. If uh, To all the wives, if you have married a husband that has been saying for years that, honey, I'll, I'll get to that when I have time, well, now that they have time, please be easy on them. And guys, I'm praying for you as you're praying for me. And uh, things happen when we're together. I'm reminded of the story of a husband 
who was standing before a full-length mirror in his underwear. And he said to his wife, he said, Honey, would you please encourage me? I, I just look horrible. My hair is falling out. My, I, I'm just getting overweight. I just look horrible. Honey, would you please encourage me? And the wife encouraged her husband with these words. Sweetheart, your eyesight is perfect. So, ladies, don't be like that wife. Let's encourage one another. Hey, I want to jump into the Word of God today. I'm very excited about what God has dropped in my heart to preach today. I want to preach from one of the most beloved psalms in the Word of God. Psalms chapter 23. If you'd go ahead and open your Bibles up. Psalms chapter 23. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. And I really love verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Father, I pray that you take the next few moments and help me to... Teach through this sacred, beautiful psalm in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in verses 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. And he offers calm for every storm. He offers peace for every situation. He offers protection from every single enemy. He is my shepherd, he's my savior, he's my deliverer, he's my best friend. Jesus Christ is my everything. He's the one that I look to for help. He's the one that I run to when I don't know what to do. He's the one that I just rest in his arms and he speaks peace over my life. I love the Bible says that God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I'm reminded of the story of a, a little seven-year-old girl in Sunday school. And they were going through Psalm chapter 23. And she was asked to recite this powerful, beautiful, wonderful psalm. And in front of her class, she stood up with little ponytails and in a beautiful little dress and she said, and I quote, The Lord is my shepherd, and he's all I need, period. And she sat down. And I think in a time like this, it would be wise to take heed to this beautiful little girl's rendition of Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I need. He's all I want. 
the end. The Bible says in verse 2 and 3, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. God shared with me in a very intimate way what these mean. And he, he gave me scriptures for each one. Green pastures, still waters, restoration of our soul, paths of righteousness. Green pastures speak of peace in your circumstances. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And he says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Now listen closely. He writes, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Next, still waters speak of peace in your mind. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Restoration of the soul speaks of peace with God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. You who were once far away from God, how many can say amen to that? You who were once far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Now listen closely. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. Finally, paths of righteousness, they speak to our relationships. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I love the words of the Lord Jesus. He says in Matthew chapter 15, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
peace, but, but how? How can I experience peace in the midst of this raging storm? Dear ones, please listen. Peace is not the absence of problems. It is the presence of Jesus Christ, which leads me to verse 4. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, I want to do something that I haven't done in many, many years of preaching. The first Bible I ever received 39 years ago when I was born again, my spiritual father, Pastor E.E. E. Smith, he gave me a Bible, and it was a King James Version of the Bible. And I've heard people say over the years, in jest, you know, if the King James Version of the Bible was good enough for Jesus, I want to read this verse from the King James Version of the Bible. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Please listen closely, dear ones. For thou art with me. And I want you to look at a picture. Such a beautiful, life-giving, comfort-giving picture. Thou art with me. And I want that to settle in. Sometimes we just need to speak that over our eyes, what we see. In the midst of chaos, we can with confidence boldly proclaim, Thou art with me. Maybe we need to speak that over our ears, what we hear. In the midst and in spite of what we hear, Thou art with me. What about our minds, what we dwell on, what we think about? Thou art with me. What about guarding our hearts? Thou art with me. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone, never. And listen closely, dear ones. And I will not loosen my grip on your life. God will never loosen his grip on your life, on your family. God will never, ever loosen his grip on your life. I remember when I was just a little boy, seven or eight years old, my father owned a construction company, Sears Construction, he and my papa. And we had a job in Klamath Falls. And I stayed with Papa and Nana, and I was just a boy. And there was a little creek. We stayed in this very small cabin on an Indian reservation. And there was this very small creek that just was on the, in the backyard. And one day we got home from work, and we noticed that the creek was dry. So my papa said, Mont, we're going to hike up the creek, and we're going to find out what's going on. So my papa was my hero. So up the creek, we started walking, and we got to a place where we had to climb up a, the little creek river bank. And I, I couldn't climb it. I was too small. 
So my hero, my papa, he climbed the creek bed and went up the ledge, and there was a tree up on top. And he broke off a branch, a piece of wood, a branch, and he held it down and so that I could just barely reach it. And he said these words to me. He said, Mont, grab a hold of this branch, and I will pull you up the river bank. Mont, you can trust me. And I said, okay, Papa. And he held down the branch, and I held that branch as tight as I could. And my Papa, he pulled me up, up over the ledge. You see, it was possible, impossible for me to climb that on my own. But I put my faith and my trust in Papa. And my Papa did not disappoint. Dear ones, you need to understand. You got a heavenly Papa, Abba, Father. And he will never, ever, ever loosen his grip on your life. You can trust him. And in seasons where it's impossible for you, <laughs> it's possible for him in Jesus' mighty name. Finally, I, I want to land on Psalm chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's a very unique verse, isn't it? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the sight of those who are trying to push you down, God lifts you up. Never allow someone that does not have a dream diminish your dream. Could it be that today's attack, could it be, is being used by God to promote you to a higher level of leadership, a new dimension in the things of God, in the presence of those, if you're anything like me, who have heard the words, you'll never make it, you'll never accomplish that. You'll never overcome your addiction. You'll never be free. You'll always struggle. You'll never get past your, your past. Listen, friends, that's not what the Word of God says. He will elevate you in the very presence of those who are trying to destroy you. So take heart and do not give up. The Bible says you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I love this verse. He is the God of not just enough. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God of supernatural anointing. The anointing is simply the ability to live out the supernatural life. I love this. The anointing is the confidence to apply God's Word in our daily lives. How we think, how we act, how we demonstrate our faith is commensurate with the anointing that we walk in. And in times of crisis, what I know and what I have found is simply this. When crisis increases, so does God's sacred anointing. You are not limited to your flesh. You are not limited to your experience. No. 
You have the favor of God upon your life this very moment. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God upon every aspect of your life. It is not the time to cower down. It is a time to stand on God's Word. I am a child of God. The Spirit of God dwells inside of me. I am anointed, and God wants to use me this very very moment for his glory in Jesus' name. The Bible goes on to say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's in the word of God. In the midst of crisis, you've got goodness and mercy running you down. When, when you're, you're fearful, you got goodness and mercy knocking on the door of your heart. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me. It's going to follow every member of my family that knows Jesus in a personal way. All the days of my life. And I, I close with this. And I will. If you know Jesus... If Jesus is your personal Savior, if Jesus is your shepherd, you have confidence to stand on God's Word and say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. It's a story that I read many, many years ago, and it's so fitting for today. It's a story of a world-famous Shakespearean actor. He traveled the world and filled coliseums all around the world. And at the end of each performance, he would take the stage as an encore. And he would quote Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when he finished, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever... Thousands of people filled coliseums, concert halls, would whistle and clap, stand to their feet, standing ovations, and he would walk off the stage. Well, he had a little boy that was 14 or 15 years old, a little teenage boy, a stagehand, and he would always bug this great Shakespearean actor and say, sir, could I give the encore? Could I close the show tonight, and he would just push him aside. You're just a boy. You're just 14 years. You're just a boy. What could you do? Well, one night, he said, son, you're on. You're going to close the show. So the little boy, shaking like an, a leaf in front of a coliseum filled with thousands of people, a little quiver in his voice, he, he began reciting Psalm chapter 23. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he ended with, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that night, there was no standing ovation. There were no whistles. All there was was deep silence and tears running down the face of the people in the Colosseum.
Shaking like a leaf, he, he went back. And the great Shakespearean actor grabbed this young boy by the shoulder and he shook him and said, you must tell me your secret. I have never seen anyone in all of my life shake and move an audience like you did. And this little 14, 15-year-old teenage boy, he said, well, well, sir, you know the song, but I know the shepherd. Dear ones, it's not enough to know the song. We got to know the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd? Is Jesus your Savior, your Redeemer? Are you born again? Have you confessed to God, I'm not where I should be with you? You might be a good moral person. You might have the good shepherd, the psalm, if you will, in your head. But do you know him in your heart that has brought change? Do you know him? And I'm going to ask you to take just a moment and ask the Holy Spirit right now to survey your heart, the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl right now. Do you know the psalm? It's wonderful. But dear ones, do you know the shepherd? And if you would say, Pastor Mahani, I don't know the shepherd. I'm not where I should be with the Lord. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you, wherever you are, to bow your heart before the Lord. And I want you to repeat these words out loud after me. Would you simply pray? Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for the mistakes that I've made for the sin in my life. I'm sorry, and I repent. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. You were buried in a borrowed tomb. You rose from the dead on the third day, according to Scripture. Jesus, right now, come into my heart, my Savior, my Lord, my Redeemer, my Deliverer, my Shepherd. I place my faith and my trust in you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, dear ones.